0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm and I write about the 49ers over at, say it with me, 49ers. Nope. Here we go. Over at NinersWire.com. Keem. Somebody t- uh, tweeted at me and said that they couldn't find NinersWire.keem dot um, it's come, just in case anybody was confused. It's dot com. How would you spell Joining that? me right now is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento <laughs> Bee Hey Chris.
2: Hey, welcome to up? the intro. Thanks. Happy. To be uh, here. I think
1: it's, it's K-Y-E-E-M. Okay. Keem. I think. That's, yeah, what no, I'm going that's with. that sounds right. Mark Schofield is about to join us. He was terrific, as always. We talked to him after Trey Lance's first start, had a great breakdown, and then wanted to talk to him again after the second start, and see kind of the differences that, um, that he saw in Lance's game between, you know, his, his first start in week five in Arizona and then his start at home this past week against the Houston Texans Mark is a writer for the NFL Wire. You can find his work at touchdownwire.com. He also does some podcast work for Pat's Pulpit of SB Nation. Uh, he has his own YouTube channel. He does video work for Blogging the Boys, also of SB Nation. He is everywhere. Super smart football mind. Really enjoy talking to him. And he has uh, a ton of good stuff to say about, about Trey Lance's start. So let's get into it. All right, Mark Schofield to a friend of the pod Mark, we we done well hey how how are you? I'm sorry, I was gonna dive right in, but you're a friend. I'm not gonna go business only. How are things?
3: Man? I, I'm doing well, Kyle. I appreciate you you know doing the, the skipping the formalities and uh, you know sort of getting you know personal. Um I'm doing well. How are you, man. How are you guys? Happy New year.
1: Yeah, happy New year. Uh, happy how long year. can you
3: say happy New Year for? Is it oh, although I, I think today's the last day. Because there's a right. there's a clip from Curb where Larry David is like at the gym, and somebody's like says Happy New Year. It's like it's January 6. No more Happy New Year. You get, it's January 3rd. Like that's the last day you can say Happy New Year. Like January, you, no more Happy New Year after January 3rd. So I think this is the last day. Oh wait, no, it's the fourth. So I you can't even say Happy New Year. Oh, no more brutal. Happy New Year. All right. okay. Scrap the whole
1: thing. Scrap the whole Start thing. Over. Start over.
3: Rerack it. <laughs> no more Happy New Years.
1: Oh right on. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well, man. Um, hopefully 2022 is better for everybody <laughs> than, than 2021 was. Yeah, fingers 2022 is a big year for the 49ers because it's very likely the year that Trey Lance is going to get the keys to the franchise. He got a start and a win against Houston. What was, before we kind of do a, a deeper dive, what were kind of your general takeaways from his his second start?
3: I thought he played relatively well. I mean, I I know that like you watch the first half, there were some reads, there were some throws, there were the interception and there were some mistakes, but I thought he really sort of settled into that game and really showed particularly in the second half, the reasons why, You know, the 49ers drafted him, where they drafted him, the arm talent, the explosiveness, you know, that he has throwing the football, I thought really sort of stood out. I thought, generally speaking, there was improvement that you saw from him sort of reading the field and anticipating throwing lanes. You know, if you look at his game against Arizona and then his game, you know, against Houston, even in the first half when he sort of was struggling, you know, there were some throws that he made late in the first half on that sort of drive near before halftime, where he's anticipated windows that he wasn't anticipating a couple of weeks ago when he had his first start. So, in all, I was largely impressed with what he did. As with all young quarterbacks, there were mistakes, there were things he could clean up, there are some opportunities perhaps to make some throws that you know he didn't quite make throws what he could have. Um, but that's to be expected with all young quarterbacks, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's guys in their second, third years. You're to see that. So, in all, I thought it was a good performance. So I'm
2: not gonna claim to be a quarterback fundamentals expert, but in in you know, as a as a layman or whatever I am, as somebody who covers the team, um, the, the thing that stands out about Trey Lance to me, aside from just the physical talent and just just in terms of areas he needs to get better at, I like a lot of his movements aren't super efficient, right? Like it seems like whether it's his footwork, whether it's—I uh, know—early in the game on one of his first throws, he like goes to s- sort of scramble and leave the pocket when he doesn't necessarily need to, and and he ended up making a good play and finding Brandon Ayuk on uh, after it seemed like he should have just hit George Kittle on a on a pretty basic slant yeah. right early yeah. on. So, just in terms of like those fundamentals and moving more efficiently, what what are you seeing from him in that aspect? And is it as much of a, a, a negative in his game that like, you know, the 49ers really need to worry about that in a way like to, to play the Rams? Does he really have a ton of work to do or, or does he have the physical tools to overcome some of that stuff? being that this could be his third start.
3: Yeah, Chris, there's, there's certainly like a loudness to how he plays the position, both in pocket movement and his throwing mechanics generally. Although I thought his mechanics from a sort of throw and motion standpoint were actually improved even, you know, just in the short time between the Arizona start and this game. I thought the throw in motion was tightened up a bit. But, you know, that play you mentioned where he's got Kittle as the slot receiver on the left and there's a window to hit it. And I think he's worried about, because there's a guy that's dropping underneath it, the safety breaks on it as well. So I think he's a little worried being backed up in his own territory about making a mistake. But then it's like you said, it's sort of very loud from there. It's wild pocket movement. It's I'm scrambling. No, wait, I'm not scrambling. The way I'm kind of scrambling. The way now I'm going to make a throw. I mean, there's that sort of loudness to his game. And I think he needs to quiet down a bit, sort of quiet, subtle pocket movement and pocket manipulation will certainly help him. That's a sort of, fine line that's like young athletic quarterbacks tend to struggle with. You know, I do a lot of work covering the Eagles and Jalen Hurts now in his second year. You see some of that from him. I mean I saw a play similar to similar similar to this one from Lance that Hurts had on Sunday against Washington, where he's caught between I'm going to just pull it down and scramble. No wait, I can still find somebody downfield. And so you know it's a balance and act that he'll have to work on. Now I I I think just generally speaking, these are sort of areas of refinement that not really cause for concern right now. It's not a situation where you look at that and you think he's either not going to get it or he's not ready or anything like that. It's just, he's learning those moments where you have to just, make a throw or slide in the pocket or hitch up in the pocket and not start to scramble and sort of take yourself out of the pocket. Now suddenly you're running around in the end zone and you don't have blockers around you. And it's an even more precarious situation than the one you were just trying to avoid. And so I think it's something he'll learn. I don't think it's sort of something that makes me think you have to sit him down again. I don't think that if, if, you know, if Garoppolo still can't go, if the thumb's still an injury, I don't think he's looking at this and say, well, He's not the answer. I think it's just small little things that he's going to have to work on going forward.
1: How many of those things do you think can be improved just by playing or can only be improved by playing? Because there are certain mechanical things you can do in the offseason, but how much of it was like, man, this guy just hasn't played a ton of football in the last year and a half?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, Kyle, that, that pocket feel part. Like, you can't really replicate that with tackle and dummies with coaches, you know, with, with sort of broomsticks or however they want to do it in their drills to try to replicate what it's like to hitch up and move and slide in the pocket. There's no duplicating that there's nothing that you can do that will really come close to the feel of having a guy like Vaughn Miller on one side and Aaron Donald on the other, like breathing down your neck. Like that's something you have to sort of learn and refine by playing. You're right. There are mechanical things. And I, I do think that, you know, in the layoff between the Arizona start and the Houston start, some mechanical work was done because the throw in motion seemed tighter, seemed crisper. I mean, he's still a violent thrower, generates a ton of torque. You know, we're recording this on Tuesday night and the, the throw to Kittle late in the game has resurfaced on the timeline. And it's my timeline right now is just that clip over and over and over <laughs> again from the end zone view. Cause Ben Baldwin pointed it out. And you see the violence in that front left hip as he torques himself through the throw to help him get velocity. I mean, he still has that, but the upper body throwing motion is kind of cleaned up and tightened up. That's something you can do in the offseason. That's something you can do when you're not playing the game. And he certainly did that. But pocket management, pocket feel, that's something that you can only sort of refine and get better at taking live reps in games.
2: Do you think that... From what you've seen from Trey Lance, like if the 49ers go into the play make the playoffs, whether they beat the Rams or or whether the Saints lose, do you think Trey Lance is in a spot where he could go be competitive in a
3: in a wild card game on the road against a you know a division winner somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I, I think part of it is and, and Chris Sims had a really good point about their offense with Trey Lance. It's in a weird way a little bit safer because of the areas of the field that he can attack as opposed to a Jimmy Garoppolo. When you know, you're know you pushing throws to the boundary and you're pushing them deep, there's maybe one defender, maybe a second defender, but it's the sideline in a sense. And so you're not thrown underneath. You're not thrown into crowded throwing lanes where timing is so critical, where ball placement is so critical. And so I think that in a way makes this offense a tiny bit safer. I think Chris's point is very accurate. And I also think that there are throws that he's made, throws that he made against Houston on Sunday that, let's face it, Garoppolo is not going to make. I mean, the touchdown to Debo where he's rolling right, and you can see that underneath safety, just peel off Debo because he's like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to make this throw because maybe he's thinking it's Garoppolo because maybe he's thinking this is what we've studied and San Francisco. They're not throwing this route. Lance can throw that. You know, and Lance had hit that route for, for a touchdown. And so I, I think there are elements of the playbook that Lance's raw talent unlock for this offense that aren't really there with Garoppolo, See what Garoppolo has done in this offense for so many years now. And so I think they could certainly be competitive with Trey Lance. Now, there are also moments when he's not making initial reads and throws that might – make Kyle Shanahan a little bit concerned, like, look, you know, if it's third and six and we've got double slants dialed up and that inside window is open, and he doesn't throw it, that could be a problem. At least we know Garoppolo is going to give us that. You combine that with what we can do in the run game we will be okay. I can understand that argument, but I see the areas of the field that are now available to the 49ers in the passing game, the explosiveness that you can generate in the passing game. and think there's something there with Lance. And so you could certainly tap into that, of course, context. This is the Houston Texans we're talking about. It's not like he came out and did this against the Buffalo Bills or the Patriots or, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any of the defenses that you might see in the postseason. So that context, I think, is important. You know, going to make your first playoff start on the road against a much better defense than you've seen, I think, is something to be considered. But from what I saw from Lance on Sunday, I still think the Niners could be competitive if he were to get a playoff start on the road.
1: So I want to talk a little bit more about that kind of unlocking that deep passing game. I saw uh, ESPN next-gen stats had it. Uh, it was their highest air yards per attempt and their most yards gained through the air in the last like three years. Yeah. That, that's obviously good. You want to generate explosive plays in the passing game. Is there a negative element to that though, where he's missing some shorter, easier throws because he is looking to stretch the ball down the field?
3: Yeah. I mean, it it sort of depends on the given play. I mean, that Debo touchdown, right. He's got the shallow crosser, which was kind of covered, you know, if that route were open and he forced the Debo throw into true double coverage. And if it goes for a touchdown, still, you might say, look, this is a process versus result situation. Yes. The result was great, but you've got the underneath crosser, like, look, just, just, just take it. And so I think that You know, there are some play-to-play elements to consider in the context of those to consider. But generally speaking, you know, you'd like to stress defenses downfield. You'd like to generate explosive plays. But if you do see situation after situation, play after play arise where he's passing stuff up to take chances downfield, then, yeah, you know, you you have to still – you know, sometimes a single, sometimes a double is okay. You know, you don't have to swing for the fences for every, on every single throw. And so, you know, you watch the plays, you see, okay, well, on this one of this Debo touchdown, okay, the shallow was kind of covered. So you go downfield, you know, that's okay. There were other throws where, yeah, you know, maybe he had something deeper downfield than whether, I mean, shallower and whether it was situation, whether it was whatever reason he decided, no, I'm going to go deep with this. You know, you, you kind of have to balance that out. But I think generally, In this NFL, in today's NFL, you want to be able to generate explosive plays. You want to be able to stretch teams downfield because the threat of that is also something to consider because defenses have to account for it. Defenses might feel like because of what Lance can do, because of his willingness to attack downfield, his aggressiveness to attack downfield, we have to play too deep. We can't bring that safety down into the box. And now if you're Kyle Shanahan, you see those two deep safeties that's favorable run boxes to run into. And so that's something to be considered as well. And that's something I think Lance offers perhaps more than Garoppolo offers. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you
2: mentioned the running game because it, it seems to me, you know, watching Lance at North Dakota state, it seemed like, Oh, maybe this guy's like has a real Cam Newton element to his game where, you know, you can, you can run him a lot. And after getting, you know, some playing time this season, it doesn't really feel like he's he's going to have that dynamic. He might be able to, um, you know, take advantage of certain looks and, you know, certain zone reads if guys bite on running backs and he can certainly scramble and improvise given his athleticism. But to me, it doesn't really seem like he has the athleticism or, or even just the, the way he runs. Like there, there were a couple runs on Sunday that just seemed a little bit tentative. Like he wasn't really willing to, to, go north and south as aggressively as he probably should and then he's taking some big hits from guys and it just he's not playing with that same level of force he did against you know uh division one double a or whatever that level is now yeah. um so how do you view trey lance in terms of how kyle Shanahan can use him in the running game and is it do you, do you think that going forward it's going to be that they actually dial it back in terms of what they do and, and maybe be more selective in yeah. terms of how they use him on the ground.
3: Yeah, Chris, I, I think it's going to be a situation we have to sort of pick your spots with him because studying him at NDSU, it was, uh, I felt a lot of times like that scene from Major League, you know, with Willie Mace Hayes with a basket catch. It's like, you're going to run over a defender in the open field. That's great. Don't ever do it again. Like, you can't, you can't do that in the NFL. And I think that's another part of the athleticism element that he's sort of balancing out because he seemed a bit more aggressive. What he was playing earlier in the season and then goes against Arizona has to start gets a little dinged up. Now you see him a bit more tentative. And so I think he's kind of learned, look, I've got to, protect myself at times and so maybe I can't take on guys open field maybe I can't be as aggressive maybe I can't get as north and south as I would like and so I think they will sort of dial it back and be situational with it I do think the best way to sort of use his athleticism is on some of those boot concepts where not only do you have the multiple level reads in the passing game but now if you're that curl flat defender you've got Lance rolling your way you have to worry about him running the football and so maybe you come downhill a little bit maybe there are times where you know This is your first read. If it's there, throw it. Otherwise, just take it. If they're going to give you eight yards, just rolling out and there's nobody home, take that, you know, we'll get them to start coming downhill on that. We'll get them to worry about and respect the threat of you as a runner. And then it'll open up that shallow cross or that intermediate read when that curl flat defender in his own coverage situation comes downhill in response to seeing you roll out. And so I think Chris, it'll be more situational you know, there'll be some zone reads and things like that, where, yeah, if you get a backside defensive end crash downhill, take the six yards, slide, get back to the huddle. We'll play on second and four. Um, We'll do some of the stuff on the boot action and things like that. And yes, the scramble element, but you know, it's not college, you know, you've got a, a, an investment at the quarterback position that you need to be able to make sure we'll get, be there in and out week after week. So there'll be a bit more situational with it going forward. I think.
1: One of the things going into Sunday with Lance starting over Garoppolo and just kind of when we found out Garoppolo got hurt, it was like, I I personally felt no different about the 49ers chances, like probably not going to make a playoff run, but they're probably not a team. Any anybody wants to play necessarily. Right. Right. I still feel that way. Am I wrong to think that like, or I just, I think, but the difference between Lance and Garoppolo is, is obviously, um stark in in different respects but i did i just to me the niners feel a little bit like the same team in terms of um being a being a playoff team
3: yeah i think that's generally right kyle at least from where i sit in my view of it. i mean we we know what they kind of want to do they want to lean their head a bit on the run game and the diversity with which they can attack you on the ground they want to build stuff in off of that in the passing game whether it's on the play action stuff some of the boot action stuff some of the ways they've used these two quarterbacks you know, over the past year with these two. And then we've seen Shanahan do with Garoppolo, you know, in the past. And so we know what they want to do. We know what they want to hand their hat on. Both of these quarterbacks do it a little bit differently, obviously with Garoppolo. I mean – I like to use the the boxer analogy a lot. And with, with Garoppolo, he's very much the technician, you know, he's a technical fighter, whereas Lance right now is more of the, the, like brawler, the haymaker. Like he might not connect with all of his punches, but when he connects with one, it's going to go, like you're going to be down for the count. And so I I think they're just two different stylistic quarterbacks right now, but generally speaking, the offense is going to be constructed in a way that, you know, Shane is a smart play caller. He's going to cater things to their strength with, you know, Garoppolo, obviously, there'll be a focus on the intermediate stuff and the underneath throwing lanes with Lance who'll open up some stuff in downfield passing game. And I think, which, whatever quarterback they decide to roll with, whether it's this week, playoffs going forward, whatever, you know, there will be a team that, like you said, Kyle, I don't think, I don't think opponents want to see San Francisco. I mean, I think in the NFC, nobody wants to see anybody anyway. I think all the seven teams that are going to get in. You know, there's an argument to be made that they could beat anybody on a given day. Even if Philadelphia, you know, ends up to seven, I wouldn't want to play Philly with what they can do on the ground. And so, yeah, I mean, I think 49ers they've got chances, punchers chances with whichever quarterback they may roll out going forward. So, you as
2: somebody who studies the entire league, I'm I'm sure you have a really good idea on what Jimmy Garoppolo's potential value could be this off season. And, and there are a bunch of different thoughts about this, right? Like do the 49ers try to trade him? Would he be amenable to a trade or would he ask to be released so he can go to a team of his choosing? Um, Just if you were to assign like a draft, like if you were a GM in the league and you needed a bridge quarterback and you weren't picking high enough or you didn't love any of the draft prospects coming out this year, where would you place your valuation on, on Garoppolo? What, what would you be willing to give up?
3: I mean, I think what makes this a, a bit of an easier, like, I'll say this, I, I think a third makes sense. And I think a third makes sense because you look at this incoming quarterback class, like it, it's not the group we saw last year. I mean, I, I think most general managers will probably say that, you know, the team that drafts a quarterback first in this group the quarterback that comes off first as QB1 might be player 25, player 30 on that team's overall big board, but because of the need of the position, teams are going to go earlier quarterback than they would at other positions. You know, you're not going to draft a linebacker and the fifth pick overall if he's player 30 on your board, but quarterback is something you might make an exception for because of the positional need. So that being said, like it's a different group. And so I think if I'm to use a hypothetical Cleveland. And I've decided, we've decided, look, Baker is just not it. We need somebody to get us to the next guy. We're going to draft somebody maybe in 2023 or something like that. Then, yeah, you know, a third for Garoppolo to run that sort of Kevin Stefanski, very similar offense might make some sense. And so that's kind of where I'd put it. I mean, obviously teams will value it differently. Some teams will value maybe a little bit higher. Some teams might value it a little bit lower, but I think kind of a third is where I'd go with it, particularly with the incoming quarterback class and questions about that group. And, you know, obviously you've got guys like Eric Rogers potentially available and, you know, Russell Wilson via, via trade perhaps. And so that might skew the market as well. So I think off the cuff answer a third makes sense. Uh,
1: Last thing here for you, Mark, it, I, I personally, if I'm putting money down, I think Lance probably starts against the Rams. Can the 49ers beat them with, with the rookie under center? Because you mentioned he played really well against against a bad Houston team. Right. This Rams defense, a lot more talented, a lot better up front. Um, can they Can they win if he's starting?
3: I think so. I mean, the weird thing is, you know, Shanahan seems to have McVay's number. I mean, for whatever reason. And so maybe the history there, what Garoppolo has done against some of these Rams defenses, maybe that's going to factor into play where Shanahan feels much more comfortable, given that Garoppolo has experience against that defense, has experience against those guys. And so if he's anywhere close to hundred percent, that's who he'll roll out there. But if it's, if it ends up Lance, I still think Lance can have success against them. I still think Lance could win that game. The issue might be though, Will he make the big mistake, right? Because you've got Jalen Ramsey lurking out there, and could Ramsey bait him into an interception or something that swings the course of the game? And I think there is that potential. There's also that potential with Garoppolo. I think Lance's athleticism might come into play. You know, if he has to pull it down and scramble, if they get pressure with Miller or off the edge or, you know, Arnold up the middle, you know, Garoppolo. Maybe not as athletic, maybe can't extend those plays where Lance has the ability to do that. And then you have a potential scramble drill situation in the secondary. So again, a th- little bit different stylistically into how those two quarterbacks could beat the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe the history plays into Shanahan's decision. But I think if it ends up being Lance, they can certainly still win this game. I, I think there are things that he can do, there are ways he can stress that defense. You know, and the other thing is, you know, that that sort of too high school that. The Rams have obviously stately leaving, you know, to become the Chargers head coach. It's not the same coaching staff in place, but that too high shell that the Rams like to use and other teams like to use the threat of a quarterback as a runner is another way to sort of counteract that. You know, if you've got these like boxes, now you've got instead of plus one, you've got plus two in terms of just the numbers in the box because the quarterbacks are run threat that could help you in the run game. And so that could also be a reason why Lance gets a start. It could help lead San Francisco 49ers to win this game because of what he can do on the ground. And
2: that would be wild. (laughs) Like if Trey Lance goes down and gets the four goes down to LA wins that game plays well and gets the 49ers to the playoffs. Like his, can you go back to Jimmy
3: Garoppolo at that point? No, you can't at that be
1: point. A banana's talking point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can
3: at that point. Um, and does that come into play? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's something to think about, I guess. You know, if he wins, I mean the Garoppolo is staple to the bench unless Lance gets hurt in the playoffs.
1: The 49ers uh quarterback content machine would would start. I mean, you guys are gonna love it though. I mean, you perfect. guys are gonna love it. Not complaining at all. No,
3: absolutely not. Yeah. Like we've
1: been doing it since March. What's well, another month? You know? What's
3: another month of it, right?
1: <laughs> oh, man.
3: <laughs> uh, Mark,
1: this was terrific. Thanks so much, man.
3: Thanks, Thanks so much. much, guys. Always a blast. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Sounds good.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, you just heard Mark Schofield, and I want to start with the boxing analogy he made about how Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of the tactical fighter and... Trey Lance is more of the brawler haymaker type guy. Right. And then when he was talking about, so put a pin in that briefly, when he was talking about the Niners in the playoffs, he's like the Niners and even the Eagles, really any team in the NFC has a puncher's chance against anybody. And to me, if you have a puncher's chance, don't you want a guy that's throwing haymakers? Like, aren't you trying to catch somebody (laughs) on the chin? That's all.
2: Sure. Yeah. I, I, so I understand like watching Trey Lance. I understand why you would like in this moment with hundred percent healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, trust Jimmy Garoppolo more. Right. But you also, it's pretty clear, like the ceiling, like the unknown here is how much better is Trey Lance going to get week to week.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Because
2: I think the steps right. we saw from week five to Sunday against Houston were pretty substantial right and trey lance hasn't started back-to-back games since 2019 right so like what what are what's that progression going to look like if he gets another full week of practice if he was able to go into the film room on monday have the quarterback meetings it talk about everything he needs to improve upon do the install practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with the starters again, building off what he already did. Like, what's that going to look like versus going back to the bench and being on ice for another few weeks, or at least until the start of next season, if that ends up Mm -hmm. happening, right? So that's the unknown. But to me, like going back and rewatching, and we talked a little bit about it off air, like it was pretty impressive for his second career start like in the context of it being a second career start, that was a really promising performance in the second half, right? Like the, the first half you could understand, like it was all a little bit disjointed. The entire offense was disjointed. It was very clear. He, at least early on, he didn't want to make a mistake. Um, And then he ended up making that mistake and throwing the interception, but he also bounced back. And what, what I, what, what stands out to me about Lance is just, he's a confident guy right mm-hmm. like he's willing to let it rip and he's not you know there are sometimes when when quarterbacks make mistakes and then all of a sudden they're deer in the headlights right like Lance was not that guy and as he got more comfortable he was being more decisive does that decisiveness now translate into this next game if he's a starter after all of that time off right like I think that that factored into his slow start, obviously, and so it's just super intriguing to me to think about what the ceiling of the 49ers' offense is with Trey Lance as a quarterback. And and I like the punchers analogy, and and you know we I, I made one like Jimmy Garoppolo is the 280 hitter who will hit you know 25 doubles and 10 to 15 homers and be somebody you know fine mm-hmm. you trust. But are you gonna win a uh, are you gonna win a ton of games with that type of guy in your lineup? Or are you gonna win a game? Or are you gonna win more games with a guy who hits maybe two twenty, but can hit thirty five or forty homers and drive in hundred guys? Right, and and that to me is what Lance is. And so if you're if you're just looking at the rest of the NFC, I mean Jimmy Garoppolo's health is obviously the most important factor here. When you're right. making that decision, because I will maintain as as much of a proponent of Trey Lance as I've been. If Jimmy Garoppolo is 100 percent healthy, you trust him more at this point than Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. The problem is Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be 100 percent healthy. And we know what right. it looks like when Jimmy Garoppolo does not play healthy. And when you're talking about his throwing hand and, and even when he is healthy, the propensity he has to let passes get away from him and turn into terrible interceptions. That's, you know, that's kind of a scary thought in a do or die situation. And it's also scary thinking about a rookie quarterback making his third career start in a potential do or die situation. So it, there's no like awesome slam dunk. This is a thousand percent the answer that we're 100 percent confident in. It's like both decisions are, are pretty risky in their own right. So it's a really tough one to navigate. But if it's a toss up, like go with the young guy, man.
1: Right, right. That's that's what I was gonna say. Was if you think that seventy percent Jimmy Garoppolo and a hundred percent Trey Lance are roughly the same player right now, why are you not giving Lance the additional start? Like, like I know you're not looking ahead to next year already, but like, hey, if you're getting the same short term benefit from both guys. There's a guy with long-term benefit attached as well, right? So that's that's why I I just to me unless <laughs> unless Garoppolo's ligament has relatched per the wording of Kyle Shanahan and has gotten stickier, um, I just Lance showed enough in the second half, and I went back and rewatched it. The offense was so much more impressive. And I think too, more, maybe even more than than Trey Lance was Kyle Shanahan's play calling in the second half and on that final drive of of the first half. So I want to actually talk about that real quick. Because the Niners get the ball back after after the Texans score the touchdown with like a minute 40 left. I don't have the exact times in front of me. But They go three and out quickly and punt it back to the Texans. The Texans run a play and get to second and eight. And then the Niners get a sack for 11 yards and Shanahan calls a timeout with like a minute eight left. And then the Niners get the ball back with 38 seconds left and they come out throwing it in a way that, in a way that was like, whoa, this is not something they've ever done with with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know if it was a sink or swim moment, like, all right, Hey, we're throwing them to the wolves, like go make a play kid. But from that point on the offense just looked like the 49ers offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, but Lance was at least to the layman. I'm sure that, you know, the playbook is paired way down and all that, but um, it just looked like the Niners offense, but the quarterback was throwing the ball down the field with more tenacity
2: right and, and, and so oh, go ahead
1: and with Shanahan calling plays that way I think the offense as a whole gets better and that benefits Lance
2: right so spinning it forward a little bit like what does the offense look like if you have to play a 70 to 80 percent Jimmy Garoppolo versus 100 percent healthy Trey Lance right mm-hmm. if it's Jimmy Garoppolo and he's healthy you're running a lot of bubble screens you're throwing a lot of short mm-hmm. passes. A lot of stuff is happening in the middle of the field between the numbers. He's consistently, you know, one of the his his A dot is consistently one of this one of the shortest in the league, right? Like his average at the target. He's just not an aggressive quarterback. Some of that probably is Kyle Shanahan playing to his strengths and not necessarily mm-hmm. trusting him to throw those deep passes. And it can work, but it can also be a tough needle to thread. And this is when Garoppolo's healthy right so if he's more compromised it feels like you have to run the ball 40 times right and like if you go into a game totally absolutely needing to run the ball 40 times you're pretty limited in terms of like how the game script can go like if you fall behind by 14 points early like you're not you're gonna have a really hard time airing it out enough with with jimmy garoppolo in that circumstance to win the game
1: Mm -hmm.
2: whereas if it's Trey Lance playing and you mentioned it and I think it's a great point in that you're running kind of the same offense but all those deep those deeper routes and those routes over the top that Jimmy Garoppolo typically doesn't doesn't attack Trey Lance is willing to make those throws and has the arm to make those throws Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden as Mark said like maybe you're playing against lighter boxes now Right, mm-hmm. like maybe you're able to run the ball more effectively because you don't have nine guys around the line of scrimmage like you do often when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback so you know is it is it easier to win with with all those short passes and and the need to run the ball heavily if Jimmy Garoppolo is compromised, or do you just bite the bullet and say, man, you know trey lance is is probably gonna make." a few mistakes in this game but the big play potential is something that that is just too enticing to pass up in this scenario with Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with an injury Mm -hmm. so that to me like just what the offense looks like and what you can do with Trey Lance and again we, we we've talked about it a lot too like just the whole idea that Trey Lance is largely unscouted like that can be a huge benefit to Kyle Shanahan because him and Mike McDaniel can be, they're probably drawing up plays right now if they know Trey Lance is going to play, but like they've never run with Jimmy Garoppolo and they've never put Mm -hmm. on tape and they can go deep into the bag and, and bring out a lot of things that the Rams will have no answers for because they're not prepared for it. Right. So, but again, like the other side of that too is like, the Rams are probably going to disguise every coverage they, they put out there and mm-hmm. how many of these coverages has Trey Lance ever seen and how has he dealt with disguises in the past? Like this is completely different, a completely different level of defense than, than he's ever gone against. Right. At least in, in terms of any broad sample size, right? Like, cause he didn't certainly didn't go against it in college and he's, going to go against if he does play the two best defenders he'll play right in, in Aaron yeah, Donald right. and Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey not to mention Von Miller against potentially Tom Compton <laughs> which is another thing but but again in terms of dealing with pressure like you'd probably rather have Trey Lance's athleticism against a good pass rush than Jimmy Garoppolo who's largely going to be stationary in the pocket so it's yeah a, I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's a very it's a fascinating decision. And I would love I would love to give Kyle Shanahan some truth serum because like this whole thing with the cloak and dagger quarterback stuff. It's it is kind of hard to read because he has been so insistent on Jimmy Garoppolo throughout the entire season. That, Mm -hmm. like, I do believe him when he says Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter 100%. Totally. But I also believe that Shanahan did draw plays, you know, on the plane from Justin Fields Pro Day to North Dakota State to work out Trey. Right. So there's, it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating situation. And the game is going to be, is going to be really compelling.
1: Yeah. Like, it's, if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, Which I mean there's a there's a very real chance of it. If he plays and doesn't play well, like it just the backlash to that I think is is gonna be dramatically more significant than if Lance plays and they and they lose the same argument can be made when you talk about like the Rams pass rush and okay, you probably want Lance's mobility, but you could also argue you want Garoppolo's ability to get rid of the football. And if you're going to be throwing a bunch of short passes anyways, and doing stuff behind the line of scrimmage and screens and jet sweeps and stuff that might just be as big of an advantage, having a more expansive playbook to throw it LA. And that's not, that's not a knock on, on Trey Lance. Like, um, JT There's O'Sullivan, a
2: rookie quarterback,
1: right? JT O'Sullivan was on the show I produced today and he talked about how every rookie quarterback has a pared down playbook at this point of the year. He's like, he's like Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, you name it. Like they have a pared down playbook. So that's not a knock on Trey Lance. I've said it a couple of times. I don't want it to come across like I'm like I'm ripping the guy. That's just what it is.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Jim Harbaugh, considering a trip uh, coming back to the NFL, your thoughts? Totally. <laughs>
1: yeah, why not? Jag's job is open.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's taking the Jag's job. Getting
1: the band back together? It seems, what like, would, the, it seems the, like the
2: Raiders are bears,
1: right? Right. I was going to say, rank the potential openings. Because... In terms of
2: likelihood, Jim Harbaugh's a candidate or just an overall quality?
1: Just in like if if you were gonna say like hey this is the best spot to go, it's got to be Chicago, right? Because you have Justin Fields and Khalil Mack and David yeah.
2: Montgomery. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it, it would just be a natural fit. He played there. He's a Midwest guy. Right. Um, it's
1: it's Raiders, Bears, Giants. I want nothing to do with the Giants. Broncos.
2: Broncos have maybe, a good defense. Um, are there any others? Nothing that's jumping off the top of my head right now. I mean, except for Jacksonville, maybe Carol, maybe Carolina, maybe Carolina. I don't think David Tepper would be a Jim Harbaugh guy. I no. think Tepper Tepper would prefer like a, like a homie, a, a young up and comer. <laughs> right. Um, no, I mean, I, I have very mixed opinions just in my own head about Jim Harbaugh because I understand what he did with the 49ers, but I also understand like when he left and it's not entirely his fault, but like the 49ers, it was almost like a nuclear bomb went off at the end of Jim Harbaugh's tenure there. Right. Because you remember like that whole season was just fraught with drama And again, Jim Harbaugh wasn't the only bad actor and all that stuff. I I think it was a series of people who no one was really in a situation to stabilize things, whether it was Jed York or Trent Baalke or Jim Harbaugh. I think it was a bunch of sort of combustible personalities all trying to make it work and it didn't work. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of people try to like, are you pro Harbaugh? Are you pro front office or whatever? I just think it was a bunch of people who were in, uh, in over their skis. Um, what Harbaugh did was super commendable because the 49ers hadn't won in a long time, but he also inherited a super talented roster with a lot of really good players on it. And it was Mm -hmm. the right, the right coach at the right time, but obviously it didn't have staying power. Right. And for a coach that was the perfect. And I'll admit like I'm, I went to Ohio State. I very much enjoyed playing my, my football team playing against Jim Harbaugh every year. So I, I'm fully admitting my bias here. Except for this year. But even then, it's like for it to be Go blue. Shout the, out rivalry, the rivalry needed Michigan to win because with if like the rivalry is good when both teams are capable of winning.
1: Right. It was an annual meeting.
2: Right. It was it was getting to the point where it was like nationally, no one really cared about the rivalry because Michigan had not right. won in so long right. and it had been so lopsided. So like as much as it sucks to lose that game as an Ohio State fan, you like whatever. Now, it now it there's there's a little bit more verve to the rivalry again. But it's just pro, like it's problematic to me where it's like, OK, Jim Harbaugh finally does what he's supposed to do as a Michigan coach. And then you hear all the rumblings of him. Wanting out and wanting to go like this guy is just not not the model of stability, right? So if you're an NFL team and you want to turn it around and win now and be good for three years, then I think Jim Harbaugh is your guy. While you fully have to understand that there's a combustible nature to his personality and an abrasiveness that can just tear an organization apart, no matter how much you win. And you just have to be willing to accept that if you're going to make that hire, that doesn't mean he's a bad coach. And that doesn't mean he's not capable of winning, but also like his record in big games does speak for itself. Um, And as I was reminded by our friend, Tim Kawakami, getting to those big games is important. So um, Mm -hmm. we do need to acknowledge that, but um, if you hire Jim Harbaugh, you're not getting somebody you're like, all right, there's a possibility that this guy is our coach for 15 years. That's just not happening.
1: Yeah. That's why I think the bears job is good because it's like, Hey, that's a decent roster. They just need a good coach to help them get over the hump. I think they could do that. Just keep Greg Roman far, far away from Justin Fields.
2: I know Jim Harbaugh is like beloved by 49ers fans. Um, And I understand why, but he's it's, I don't think it was a coincidence that like a lot of the good players retired, and maybe a couple guys early, and like all the off off the field stuff. Like all I of wanted that was to ask Patrick Willis. He was there.
1: I wanted to ask Patrick Willis when he was on the pod. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. It was really really good. Uh, I wanted to ask him that point blank, but I didn't have the stones. What were you? Beta energy from me.
2: What 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 question specifically?
1: Um. I wasn't going to be like, did you like Jim Harbaugh? But was going to ask if uh, his if his impact on the organization there at the end affected Willis' decision to retire. And yeah, he kind I of mean, answered that anyways, but I didn't put Harbaugh's name in it.
2: Was it his last – I forget what year it was. It was either 13 or 14. They They played a preseason game on a Thursday – in baltimore and then they had joint practices with the ravens on like like the weekend after the game and it was like i have
1: no recollection of this
2: yeah and it was just very odd because it was like i think that was coming off the super bowl year and it was just or no maybe i forget when it was but it was like the 49ers were clearly one of the best teams in the nfc And they had a veteran laden team and it was like Jim Harbaugh after a preseason game on a short week, they're practicing a couple days after. And I think it did not sit well with a lot of veterans in the room. Hmm. And so there, there was all the, you know, and, and again, I'm not trying to absolve Jed York or Trent Baalke for anything that happened because I think it was everybody's to blame for, for how that whole thing blew up. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like there's was one good side and one bad side. I think everybody was just kind of has have are are at fault at certain levels for for what happened.
1: Can and uh, we make it. Go ahead and finish.
2: No, it's it's just hard. It's it's hard when that's the way. You, when you're as competitive with everybody around you, not just like with your opponent, but with everybody, as Jim Carbaugh mm-hmm. is. It can that I think that it's has abrasive. a Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, can we make a deal and make that the extent of the Jim Harbaugh content on this podcast for the year? You're
2: not want to save talk about for
1: anymore? save save for potential. If he uh, gets a job, we're talking, uh, old rush. If, yeah. Okay. That's fine. If
2: Jim Harbaugh gets fine. hired by the Raiders, then we got to talk he,
1: about he, it. He's resigning at Michigan for twelve million a year or whatever they're going to pay him. We'll see. Leverage play even mentioning the NFL.
2: Come on. It could be, but it's like this guy moves around a lot. Totally.
1: We just beat Ohio State. They got to...
2: eh, Maybe. I don't know. You could look at it a few different ways. Waxed in CFP. Holy crap. Right. I heard Guy Haberman say it. You can make the case both ways. Like, It could be a great time to stay because you just beat Ohio State and you just went to the college football playoff and you have momentum or it could be a great time to leave because like do you think you're going to win national championship next year? Like if you don't think you're going to be better than you were this year then mm-hmm. leaving at yeah. at the highest point of the program might not be a bad idea either.
1: Boy, what a tangled web. I'll never Still forget
2: into Candlestick Chronicles for all the latest Jim Harbaugh news and updates. I will... <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget the look jim harbaugh gave me at the uh the very after the last game of 2014 when it was very clear he was going to michigan Jim <laughs> and i never really had a one-on-one conversation we talked in press conferences and stuff but i go up to him in the locker room and i shake his hand and i say i just want to let you know like i don't know if you know this but i went to ohio state and his facial expression just was like i'll never forget it it was it was like the very intense like sort of quizzical like huh <laughs> not that he really cared about me at all but it was just like sure. it, it was, I just won't forget it it was classic Jim Harbaugh <laughs> a complete character
1: that, that was a long ride. We, we need to we need to end this podcast it's gone on way too long but okay. being at that game I was at that game against Arizona uh Frank Gore ran for a bunch of yards in his last game and did the lap around the stadium I think Craig Dahl had the game ceiling As Craig Um, Dahl would. uh, Totally. Big, big. (laughs) uh, One of the five greatest Craig Dahl moments in 49ers history. (laughs) Um, Arguably the greatest, some say. Check out my pod, Craig Dahl Stick Chronicles um, for more info on that. No, but it was such a bizarre thing because it was like, man, this is Frank Gore's last game with the 49ers. Uh, They got a win. But also like, the head coach is going onto the field to shake the other coach's hand and he's like out the door like we're going to get in the car on the way home and listen to his like
2: farewell presser after it was weird it was super super strange that was one of the weirdest days i've had covering the team for sure totally
1: you want to get out of here now
2: yeah they they did sure. they did you the post game any, stuff and all the, all the sure, interviews, open is. locker room, all that, we go up to the press box, we start writing, and then the press release comes. Hang on, Paul. People agreed to part ways.
1: Do we want to use this to tease an old Rush later in the offseason of that game? Oh, we could. Yeah, we could. And then just talk about the aftermath? So, old Rush, if you're unfamiliar, during the pandemic, Chris and I rewatched old 49ers games and talked about them. On the pod, we're gonna break that back open this off season. and that would be a fun one to do. And we can get Kawakami and other people on who are around. Yeah. It'll be great. Absolutely. Okay, hell yeah. That sounds absolutely. great. Absolutely. Subscribe, rate, and review. Get ready for that. Uh we'll have another pod out Friday. Jordan Rodrigue of the Athletic gonna join the pod this time, barring the Rams trading for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> Which is why she didn't come on last time. She was all set to go, and then I got a text an hour before we're gonna start they're like hey i'm a little busy (laughs) yeah totally get it so uh she's gonna join us this week watch for that on friday thanks so much guys